Hi, my name's Josh, and I'm so glad that you're joining us on our Grace Church podcast. At Grace Church, we are all about knowing God and reflecting His way. I hope this sermon will do just that by feeding your mind with the knowledge of God and engaging your heart to live a life reflecting His grace and truth. I've discovered that over the years, it's harder and harder for me to tell you things about me that you don't know. But you may not know this. So, for over 20 years now, I have been the commissioner of my fantasy football league. (laughs) Now, you may have never heard of fantasy football, which probably means that you don't like football. So, let me just very quickly explain what it is. Fantasy football is this imaginary game where coaches like me pick real NFL players from real NFL teams and you put them on your imaginary team. And then with our imaginary teams, I play other guys who like to play imaginary games in our little uh, league. About 20 years ago, actually more than 20 years ago is when uh, we created this league, I created this league. And of course my league is called Jesus Loves Football (laughs) because he does. And I have guys in this league who have been there from the very beginning, guys that I went to college with. We've been having this league go on and on for so many years now. And it is probably one of the most consistent sources of fun and laughter I have in my fall on a regular basis. Now, I will tell you that for the first several years of my league, my wife Marissa just rolled her eyes when I tried to talk about it. Because she would remind me, this is all fake. You know that, right? and that maybe I should do something less fake, something more productive. But then one year, very suddenly, she stopped making those comments whenever I would talk about fantasy football and then would listen to me, even though I was still the adolescent dysfunctional man-child that I am. (laughs) And she began to support me, actually, and my team, the French Revolution. That's a cool name, y'all. Come on. I mean, that's... I am so proud of that name. But I will say, in that year that she began to support me, I found myself incredibly confused because up to that point, she did not like my fantasy football, or at least I didn't think she did. Until she then explained that she recognized that though there wasn't a lot real about fantasy football, this was the way in which I chose to connect with my guy friends. And this is the way in which we chose to share a little life. And though it was maybe dumb or a little bit stupid, that fun led led to a place where there could be space for something serious if that were to happen. And that's exactly what happened. One of the guys in my league, his wife got cancer and then very quickly died. And I would have never been connected to him if not for this fantasy football league. I say this story about fantasy football in my life, I tell you about this only to to point out, well one, that you should play of course, but two, (laughs) that we as people crave relationship. We are made for relationship. And because we're made for it, we're always craving for those relationships with people. And so in my world, it was fantasy football. Maybe in your world, that means going out uh, to dinner with some friends, maybe that means going to the movies, maybe that means yard sailing with some folks you know, I don't know. Everybody does this a little bit differently, but we all are built for these relationships and we want them. Have you ever considered why? Why are you built for relationship? Why is that innate in you, in me, in all of us? Where's that coming from? Because it doesn't really matter if you're introverted or extroverted, you still want to be in relationship 
with folks around you? The answer to the why is pretty simple, actually. Why we crave relationships is because we get it from our dad. We crave relationship like our dad has built us to be in relationship. Let me tell you what I mean. You see, from the very beginning, God has liked to hang out with God. That's what he's done from the very beginning. God the Father is truly himself. Jesus is truly Jesus, and the Spirit is the Spirit. Not when they're doing their own thing, but when they are one, when they are together. God himself likes to hang out with the three in one. The early church described this as mutual indwelling, and you won't find that word in the Bible, but you will find that concept throughout. And we see it very clearly in passages where Jesus speaks of his relationship with the Father, like in our gospel today. We see the Trinitarian story woven throughout Scripture. And the doctrine of the Trinity itself tells us that at the core of the reality of God is a God who likes to be together, who is happiest when they are in community, loving each other. So the Trinity likes to be together. More than that, the triune God likes to hang out with us. So it's not just that God wants to be together with himself and that's sufficient. He wants to be with us. Now, a time that you may have experienced something like that, or places that I have found that to be true in my own life, is when I've gone into somebody's house that maybe I didn't know very well, and as soon as I entered that place, I noticed something was different. Not off or bad, but I actually would notice sometimes that in some certain places, it would seem that things were happy or good. And over time, I, would, I came to recognize that really what was present in that place, in that household, was love. I could just feel that love. And maybe the people were special, but maybe they weren't. Maybe they were unique, but maybe they were just average like me. And yet, they embraced one another, and they embraced everybody who came into their house. Have you been in those houses? They're incredible places. As soon as you enter in, you just know. And you know that when you enter into a house like that, at least I do beyond a shadow of a doubt, that in those moments I'm in the presence of not just a loving family, but the presence of love itself. That in that place, love lives. And that even though I'm a stranger, I've been invited into it. Even though I'm not in that family, somehow they have found a way to include me. And I'm always in awe of that. The exact same thing is true of our God. Even though we're flawed and broken and we're rebellious, God has invited us into his party, into his house. Even with all of our dirt and mess and blood, even all the junk that we do on a regular basis, God still says, no, I want you to be a part of this cool thing that the Trinity is doing. And we call that the story of redemption. It's a story of relationship. Jesus, the Son, comes to earth for us and for our salvation, living the life that we should have lived and dying the death that we deserved, paying our price for that sin. The Father, who was in Christ, reconciles the world to himself and comes running to embrace us. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of Jesus' sacrifice. He fills us and indwells us with the very presence of God. What the Bible says is that God is now tabernacling, dwelling among us. 
But that wasn't just a one-time thing. It continues. The door has been opened. The trail has been blazed by God. That debt was paid, and the party with the triune God continues, and they stand ready to embrace each of us, all of us, should we be willing to accept that invitation. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, will be saved, which means that you and me and all of us have been invited to be with them, which actually is what today is. A worship service is you responding to that invitation and saying, yeah, God, I want to take you up on that. I want to be with you. You've invited me, so I want to come. You decided today to say yes to the invitation to come and be with him. And I hope that you meet him today, which actually leads me to my third point, that God not only has that relationship already steady, settled and steady, not only has he invited us, but God wants us to hang out with each other. He saved us from sin and death, but he didn't just save us from that. He saved us for each other. He didn't just save you for heaven or from hell, but for you to be in relationship with me and me, you, and each other all the time. God saved us to be a people who reflect the love that is already happening in the Trinity. He saved us so that we can enjoy that for all of eternity, so that we can hang out together. So the question that I want you to consider for the rest of this time and hopefully for the rest of the day, the question that I want you to ask at lunch of the people that you're hopefully hanging out out with is this. How well are we at hanging out with other Christ followers? How good are we at hanging out with other Christ followers? Because you see, this isn't optional. This isn't like other parts in our life where you might pick or choose. You cannot say, well, I'm good at giving and I'm good at serving God and I'm definitely good at showing up on Sunday mornings, but I'm not so good about hanging out with other believers. That's not part of this deal. You can't say that because that's not the nature of the Trinity. So if you want to reflect God, you have to reflect his nature, and that is this relationship, this community of love. Hopefully this household that you enter into and when you walked in today, you felt that love. You were called to reflect it to live in that same unity that God is living in. So, it's crucial that we learn how to hang out together. So, let me just wrap this up by giving you three commitments. Three ways that you can commit yourself to hanging out with other believers, other folks in your life, and do life with them. The first one is that you need to commit to engage others. You need to commit to engage. And there, for us... To have community, there has to be this commitment on the side of, inside of each one of us to engage each other. Because the facts are, it is easy to disengage from the body of Christ. Relationships are messy, and I don't need to tell you this, but they're messy and complicated. They're boring sometimes. They're always risky. You might get hurt. Matter of fact, I've never been in a relationship that I haven't been hurt in. People sometimes are dull because life is sometimes dull. And we, all people that I know, sometimes we just do dumb things. We're mean and we cut each other and we're insensitive. 
And if I just open up the microphone over here, I bet we could tell story after story of disappointment and rejection that's come as a result of a relationship. People who have moved into your life and then hurt you and then moved out, or you moved away from then. In fact, people move in and out of our lives all the time so fast today that sometimes we don't even experience that change. We don't experience loss or grief. It's just too hard. So we just stay out of it. We don't get involved with each other. The truth is, it's our response. It's our response that's at fault here because we've been hurt by other people hurting us. We then emotionally remove ourselves and in doing so, we hurt other people. We punish others by disengaging, by keeping our distance, by keeping them at arm's length, making sure that they don't know who we really are. And maybe you've made a silent vow that says, I won't be hurt again. And so I won't open up again. If you've done that, then you're guarding your heart, you're putting a mask on, and you're making sure that mask is as tight as it can be. Maybe you feel safe. Maybe it feels normal you've done it so long. I get it. But I would also say if that's you, you have forgotten the goal of the Christian life. The goal of the Christian life, Romans 8 tells us, is to be conformed to the image of Christ and to become a partaker of God's nature, which is hanging out together. So that means that we are to live in relationships that are about trust and delight and mutuality and giving and receiving, just like the Trinity. And by the way, that's what eternity is. So if you don't want to do it now, you're going to hate eternity. So let me just sort of prep you for eternity. Start doing life together. Because when you close yourself off, when you stay on the sidelines because you've been hurt or disappointed or maybe disgusted by the people around you, you are denying the very nature of God and the essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So the first commitment that I want to call you to make is to engage. And maybe today you need to admit to God, though he already knows, you need to admit in front of him that you have disengaged because you've been disappointed, because you've held on to your anger or your bitterness or your judgmental spirit, because you got hurt, and I get it. But that is not a reason to pull away. Just because you've seen sin in other people doesn't mean that you are somehow excused from dealing with your own sin. And so you need to join a small group to be a part of a smaller community where you can be known. You need to get real about your life with some other people who can look at you and know your mess and still love you. That's the first commitment you must engage. Second commitment that we've got to make if we're going to be this community like the Trinity is to actually be together. You cannot hang out with people if you are not physically together. And this goes beyond an attitude change. This requires you to share time and space with other people who you may or may not like and say to them, but primarily say to yourself, I will be with you. This is what some folks call having margin or lingering together. It requires this commitment to be together and work towards enjoying it. That is fellowship for fellowship's sake, which may sound silly, but that's exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes there needs to be places in our life where there is no other agenda than just hanging out because that's what God does. 
to what he did before the creation of the world. He's just hanging out. And he seemed to enjoy it, so why don't we? Well, I think one of the reasons is we've just gotten so used to being busy. We say that being busy is a higher priority than togetherness. And I've got all these things to do, and I've got kids that I need to shepherd here and there and the other places. And instead, God has made us to hang out. He has made us for relationships. We're wired for it. It's a crucial dimension of our journey with Christ. But instead, we'd rather make a quick text, rush to the next appointment in our marginless lives. And when we do so, every time we make that choice, we die a little bit more on the inside. And when we die a little bit more, we die alone, and we die unknown. God made us to hang out just for the sake of hanging out. The early church, they loved to be together. They didn't just go to church once a week. They didn't just get fed or entertained or something intriguing said in church. Instead, they did life together, and by their hanging out together, the Holy Spirit did incredible stuff in their lives. We saw it in our Acts reading today. So they engaged, and then they hung out together. And we've got to reject this view that is so prevalent in our culture that hanging out is merely for little kids or unproductive people. We've come to believe that lie. In fact, I would say hanging out is all about productivity because we're becoming productive like the divine nature. Finally, we need to commit to honor one another. If you're going to engage, if you're going to hang out, if you're going to linger, then you've got to honor each other. So this is how it happens in our gospel today. John 13 says, Jesus said this, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will, glor uh, and will glorify him at once. It's a lot of glory there, I get it. But what he's saying is, when, God, when I'm in God and God's in me, there's all this glory, all this honor being given to each other. Within the Trinity, there is this functional order. The Father has sent the Son. The Son has glorified the Father, and the Spirit bears witness to the Son. But there's no trace of elitism in any of these different functions. There's no snobbery or dishonor within the triune God. There's no power struggle, no hurt feelings. Jesus didn't rock, walk around and say, hey, look at me. I'm the one who died. Come on now. Instead, he said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And he told his Father, not, your will, but my, not my will, but yours. On two different occasions, the Father says about the Son to the people of earth, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. God the Father doesn't say, hey, after you listen to Jesus, make sure you give me a little time too. Instead, God exists in this perfect community perpetually preferring and honoring and serving each other, which means that we are not allowed to have that air of superiority in our hearts. Because when we do, it immediately quenches the flame of Christian community. When you or I convey that we are a notch above somebody else in this body, we've taken one more step towards death in this body, and we do not reflect the love of Christ. Honoring each other means that we don't get the credit. We don't get the glory. Honoring each other means that we don't take offense. 
Honoring means pointing other folks towards him and away from ourselves. And it's amazing I've discovered over the years how much we can get accomplished when we don't care about who gets the credit anymore. And here's what I know. A united church, a group of believers who love one another, who honor one another, who build each other up, who suffer together, who speak kindly about each other, who submit to each other, reflects the love of God in such a way that people can't help but be attracted to it. So my question to you is, have you become disengaged? If so, what's your next step towards connection in the community? How are you going to share time and space with other believers? Or are you just too busy? You just have too much going on, and you meant, you meant to, but you never quite got around to it. And if you are going to hang out, are you ready to honor folk? Or are you worried too much about your own honor and making sure that folks honor you? God, through his example, has shown us such a better way. So today is the day to build that community, to start again, to double down, not on your efforts, but on what he is doing right here among us. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for your example, your perfect example in the Trinity. Forgive us for the ways in which we think our examples are better and we choose our way over yours. Help us instead to be more like you, to hang out, to do life together, to not devalue those times, but instead recognize that we are actually doing what God does. And through that community, help us to serve and honor and love one another well. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To find out more about what's going on here at Grace Church, you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on our website, graceocala.org, or, of course, on our campus here in sunny Ocala, Florida. Go in peace.